0: Marvin Harrison Jr. or Brock Bowers? Jared Verse or Dallas Turner? JC Latham or Joe Alt, Kool-Aid McKinstry or Caleb King? These are some of the verses that we're going to go through today in the PFN Scouting Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I am your host, Dalton Miller, joined by my co-host, Ian Cummings. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about the top non-quarterbacks in the this draft class but first guys make sure you guys are following us on wherever you listen to your podcast make sure you guys are subscribing to the youtube channel and make sure you guys leave us a five-star rating make it funny make it um you know self-deprecating make it deprecating towards myself or ian we can handle it uh but make sure you guys are leaving that five-star review it helps us out a ton but Ian, I wanted to ask you first, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good, doing good. Happy to talk about the non quarterbacks. And if you wanna check out our first episode, we talked at length about Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, Jordan Travis, Riley Leonard, and a few other sleeper prospects. Go back and listen to that one. But. I'm excited, man. So much ground to cover any NFL draft cycle. We know this. And that was exemplified. I think yesterday, Bruce Feldman released the Feldman's freaks list. Always a fun item to peruse in the offseason. And a few of the top prospects that we're going to talk about here today were on that list. It's exciting. It's always fun to, you know, read through some of the freaky numbers that these guys put up. And for a lot of these guys, particularly the very top prospects that we're going to talk about, it translates to the field.
0: Yeah. And listen, these guys rarely live up to all of the hype that they get in Feldman's freak list. Uh, The the numbers that usually come at the combine or a little bit lower than what they uh, are reporting um, coming from college, Uh, you get a, a little bit quicker. Um, start and stop on that forty yard dash yeah. it feels, and on those it feels agility
1: trails. Like, like three off seasons in a row. Too, we've heard about a Michigan three cone that was like in the six four range, right? So, dude, like the, every, the one every that time. we're
0: looking at this year is like what six one three or yeah. something like it. Just yeah. an insane number that there's like just no way it's going to happen. And if it does, we're looking at one of the freakiest freaks of all time. But it's like, you know, that Michigan is going to have a couple of guys that test out of the water. Penn State always has guys that test out of the water. And then Georgia is one of the funny ones where they're one of the best programs, if not the best program in college football. And they'll have some guys test incredibly well and some guys absolutely poop the bed. And it's always amazing to me to see kind of who performs um, and who doesn't, especially from that college. But let's get into it. And I think we might have a little bit of a disagreement here to start. Um, listen, Marvin Harrison, Jr. There's, there's only so much that we could really say about him. Um, uh, we could go on and do an entire podcast, just breaking down his game and what he does. Well, um, it would take about five seconds to go through his weaknesses, but I feel very strongly that Brock Bowers is the freakiest tight end prospect that I have seen. And like you've said a couple of times in your writings and sometimes in my writings, calling him a tight end is a little bit disrespectful to him.
1: Yeah, you can move him around wherever you want to. I think, you know, people harken back to Kyle Pitts when he came out, right? I don't think they're... They're not carbon copies. They're not even super close stylistically. I think Pitts was a little more fluid and, you know, a little more advanced as a route runner. But when you want to talk about a guy who can create after the catch or just dominate at the catch point against the defensive backs or linebackers who are two to three inches shorter, at least, right? Brock Bowers is going to be that guy. You know, his explosiveness is incredible when he has an open seam. You know, he can get upfield very naturally. And then when the ball comes comes to him and you know, he's got that catch radius but he's also got the instincts the sense of timing vice grip hands at the point and then if you get him the ball on short drag routes right or motions or sweeps or screens you know he's got the speed to you know destroy tackling angles but then at the same time if you do get an angle on him if you do manage to make contact it's very hard for solo tacklers to bring him down because it's 6'4 230 he's got that grading play strength too he can drag defenders behind him so you know I think The separation aspect, being an independent separator, still working on that. And even then, I don't know if he has the hip flexibility to sustain an elite ceiling there. But the dude is explosive. He's physical. And he's a dominating catch threat. And those three things, man, it's so fun to think about what you can do with him in your offense.
0: Yeah, so when I look at this, um, I I don't know who will end up having the higher tape grade in the end. Uh, There are so few. I mean, even nitpicking knocks against marvin harrison jr and we'll get into it a little bit and he was obviously on feldman's freak list he was at number two but i think the interesting thing about marvin harrison jr to me when i watch his film it kind of reminds me a little bit and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later with colin mckinstry as well um i kind of look at him in a similar vein as i look to patrick sertan and i know that they play different positions but patrick sertan he just never looked like he was trying very hard when he was playing. He was boring. He never looked like he was really putting on the Jets, but he never really had to either. When I watch Marvin Harrison Jr., I, I don't see a guy who is a, an absolute freaky, explosive athlete. I, I look at somebody like a Jamar Chase and I think he's more athletic. I, I look at somebody like Justin Jefferson, who is more flexible. Um, but when you put everything together in the entire package of Marvin Harrison jr. I think that's where you kind of see this dude is different. And I I think when we look at somebody like that, with that skill set, who literally does it all, I mean, we, we talk about three level threats all of the time, but he has the size. First of all, he's six foot, what three, uh, he's over 200 pounds. Feldman is saying that he's able to bench a ton of weight and he's a super strong kid as well. He's obviously the son of Marvin Harrison. So like He was born and bred to be a a wide receiver. And I don't know how much better he'll get because he already is so clean. But what you get right now is somebody who is going to right away be a top five level player at the NFL level. But I, I watch Brock Bowers and I see somebody who could be truly special in that Travis Kelsey role. Somebody who... In the correct offense, and I think that this is really what it comes down to, he needs to go to the correct situation. And that's what makes the tight end position so difficult, is there are only a handful of situations at the NFL level that actually know and try to feature a tight end in their offense. So getting in that correct situation is going to be incredibly important for Brock Bowers. But you saw it last year. I mean, he had, what, like 70 catches in in a college offense it just doesn't make sense that he was able to produce the way that he did six 240 pounds he is a big dude he's very strong but what i love most about him and i do think that there are some things he needs to do as a route runner to improve but i saw very little wasted mo- momentum with mm-hmm. him as a route runner and i think when you look at tight ends there is a lot of gear down time And I didn't see that with him. I think he's obviously not as fluid as uh, a wide receiver would be just because he is holding another 30 pounds. But to me, he kind of reminded me of a more explosive version of somebody like Alan Lazard, who is that six foot four, six foot five, 230 pound dude. He is practically a tight end that is Mm -hmm. just uh Named a wide receiver in nomenclature, so, heck of a blocker uh, too. That's another yes, yeah, heck of part. a blocker too. Yeah. And and I think that's the kind of role that you can get with Brock Bowers. You put him in the slot, you put him outside as a wide receiver, but he's also a guy who you can put into motion as an H back and lead block as well. I don't want to see him lined up like George Kittle. I don't want him to be a forgotten bit in an offense like George Kittle is in San Francisco far too often. um But he has that innate ability at the catch point that is just that's what you want to see from a tight end like that
1: Mm -hmm. so reading the tea leaves we talked about a question before we came on air here if you could only choose one Marvin Harrison Jr. or Brock Bowers who would you choose I'm assuming you're going with Bowers
0: here on how you're talking about it
1: it's a tough question
0: (sighs) you know I I think when I look at just the landscape of the NFL if I can have a Brock Bowers there's only three or four of them Mm -hmm. it's Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. Like, that's it, really. Outside of that, you're looking at somebody who is, you know, a decent piece, a decent starter. They might catch 60, 70 passes for 800 yards. But Brock Bowers is that dude that can go for 1,300 and 13 touchdowns. Like, when you have that type of production at the tight end position, you have an ability to find wide receivers. You don't have the ability to find another Brock Bowers, and while I think it's easier for wide receivers to produce, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. will have multiple fifteen hundred yard seasons as a pro. I think having that elite skill set at tight end is incredibly valuable for a team.
1: Yeah, the multiplicity that you can give an offense, and I, I I tend to sit on the fence a lot as an NFL draft analyst, but you're swaying me a little bit. I'm not going to lie, you know, it's it's a it's a close discussion between them. I guess. My question is, and and we're talking about Marvin Harrison, how he makes things look so easy. And sometimes I feel like the reason he doesn't look as explosive or as fast is because of how easy and effortless he makes yeah, it look. Like there 100%. there are moments on tape where he'll offset a defensive back at the stem and pry around him with that flexibility and with that precise hand usage. I think that's one thing that I really liked about his game. He's a pass rusher when he's working through those stems, man. He can swipe down. You know, he can use clubs and, and rips too. But then once he gets that step past them. He has the explosive capacity to create space once he stacks defensive backs. And I think, you know, what I was looking for from him, because being 6'4", 205, you know, naturally with those bigger guys, you look, you want to see that. You want to see that space creation ability. And I think he works one-on-one so often, you know, he's just so good as an independent separator. He doesn't always get the schemed touches in space that Bowers gets. But he can create that, right? That's something that, that does show up. I think the sync, the flexibility for his sides is so special. Uh, and then at the same time, at the catch point, too, I mean, the instincts, the hand-eye coordination, the hand strength, right? The ability to get yourself in position. Those are all things that he has to a special de- degree to the point where, you know, it's it, we almost take it for granted how easy he makes it look, right? So it's a tough question for me because you mentioned it's really tough to find a Brock Bowers but I think it's almost just as tough to find a wide receiver at the caliber of Harrison in all of those areas. And if you can get a guy who commands attention like that on the boundary at that X receiver spot, you know, there's so many rack threats that you can put in space under the middle. It's just, to me, it's a win-win situation, whichever one you want to pick. You're getting a blue chip player. Harrison is my top graded prospect right now, but Bowers is number four. He's in my top five and I'm I'm willing to bet he's gonna stay there. They're both special players.
0: Yeah, so this is the question, okay? Is Marvin Harrison Jr. the best wide receiver that you have evaluated?
1: That's a tough one. And to be fair, my my sample size is not super big yet. I think I go back to Jamar Chase with grading. And over the past few cycles, I've I've updated my grading scale a lot. Tentatively, I'm going to say yes, because I think, you know, I've never seen a complete receiver prospect as complete as this with the size that he has. And I think the one thing that gets taken for granted is the athleticism and the explosiveness. And I think he definitely has more than enough of that. So I think once you look at that physical foundation, then it goes to the operational traits, the route running, the nuance that he has, but then the flexibility to the explosiveness to stack after you've won one-on-one and then the ability to convert so consistently and so with so much authority at the catch point too. my one knock is that maybe he could be a better rack threat, right? We haven't seen a ton of that, but I think part of that is usage too, because he's just so good at being that guy who wins one-on-one. But I think me personally, what I look for in a receiver, can you create independently? Can you beat your guy one-on-one? If you can do that (laughs) to to the degree that Harrison does in every phase, you're going to get a lot of support from me. So I think it's close, but I think Harrison, I think the gap between Harrison and Chase as independent separators is bigger than their gap in a physical talent perspective. So I'm going to go with Harrison. I'm, I'm a huge fan of both guys, but Harrison to me is special.
0: I, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, for me personally, I had Jalen Waddell as my wide receiver one. I love those types hey, of wide Waddell, receivers. Man. I love that. Um, but I think when you... When you look at, at somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr., there's just there's so few weaknesses. He's going to grade off the charts for me. Uh, Brock Bowers will as well. Um, I think he'll end up being the highest graded tight end that I've had. Um, there haven't been a ton of, of freaky tight ends come through the draft. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is one of them, but I think just Brock Bowers is a little bit more complete prospect overall. We are moving on from those two, and we are getting to the defensive line. We are going to talk about Jared Verse and Dallas Turner, Uh, similarities, differences. And I I think from what I've seen so far, and I've only seen one game of Jared Verse, um, but from what I've seen so far, it's a pick 'em. depending on what you want out of an edge rusher for me. Do you want a guy who is going to have his hand in the dirt and play as a 4-3 defensive end? Um, I I think Verse can also play outside linebacker. I think that he's athletic enough to stand up and rush from a two-point stance as well. Um, But I think Dallas Turner is your... You know, kind of Randy Gregory type, somebody who is going to be a stand-up rusher, somebody who is incredibly flexible, explosive off of the edge, and I like some of the movement or the the hand uh, fighting hand technique that he has as a pass rusher as well. So I think it's uh, maybe not the the same kind of high end group that we've seen. Um, there are no Miles Garrett's in this class, but I think that. Those two guys at the top are both incredibly talented um, guys who kind of fit in the more modern mold of an NFL rusher, which is that 240 to 260 pound guy. Is, these guys aren't 275, 280 pounds anymore. For the most part, there are still some defenses that that prefer those types of guys, but with the, the rise of tight fronts and five man fronts, 50 fronts, uh, you're seeing a lot more outside linebacker types and a lot more speed. To get off of the edge. And that's something that both of these guys bring.
1: Yeah, for sure. Neither of these guys is is one of those prospects who, like you said, has the size and mass to be that all-encompassing alignment versatile piece on the defensive Mm -hmm. line that that coaches crave. But you know, they both have their roles. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest differences for me, you know, you mentioned the hand usage. It's not that Dallas Turner has bad hands. He has good hands. Like he there's are legitimate bright flashes from him. And I think as we continue to see him grow within that role, it's only going to increase because, like you said, he's explosive. Uh, he's incredibly bendy, too. I mean, the ability yeah. to sustain acceleration as he's pinching the corner and as he's using that ankle flexion is very impressive. And then he's got legit 34-inch arms, too, you know, just off my estimation at least, man. The dude is long, too. So that complete palette of tools, very exciting in that stand-up, edge-rusher role. If he has space outside to rush, you know, outside the tackle's shoulder, it's going to be tough for him to not shorten that corner, man, because he's just so tools rich. But Jared versus hand usage is just a tier above and maybe two tiers above. And that's not a slight to Turner. That's just how good Jared versus right now. I mean, Jared verse is always so intentional, so violent with his hands. He can stack quick counters around the apex. I think that multitasking ability is there with him to a higher degree than it is with Turner. And mm-hmm. he's not as bendy as Turner. I think that's the biggest thing that I saw you know, a little high-hipped and sometimes isn't quite able to sink under, but he's still very explosive off the snap. The hyperactive agility and twitch, he's so good at using that and controlling it to widen tackles and then exploit that and then convert power as well. So with Jared Verse, I think you're getting right now a more precise, a more surgical rusher who can really convert his traits into power, but then he's got the explosiveness, the agility to offset you and win with that space creation ability as well. So both very fun players in pursuit too. You know, I think the pursuit speed is something that gives overlooked but these guys are rangy they are high motor rushers and whether you want a 4-3 defensive end or space rusher a space olb uh they both provide a lot of upside so i think right now i've got verse edge 1 uh, turner edge 2 but i do think there is room for turner if he can refine the hand usage get a little bit stronger too he's a little lean right now. but if he can do that because there are reps where you know he will catch you off guard because you 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 think you have him understood you think you're like all right he's a finesse rusher this is what he's going to win with but then he'll just use his length and his burst to channel insane amounts of power and just knock tackles back and you're like i did not expect that but that's where it is so i think he's got that potential for sure getting stronger more refinement if he can do that um the ceiling the sky is really the limit for him
0: that's where i'm at with him as well um I, I think that he needs to become more powerful because like you said he shows it in flashes but he just doesn't have the consistent ability to convert speed to power at his size uh even with the little bit of length that he does have i think when you look at jared verse i i immediately went to jeremiah johnson or jermaine johnson yeah. right away um, and you know, it's obviously an easy comp because they both went to Florida state, but I think, you know, when we look at, you know, maybe not the most flexible guy in the world, but he's got good hands and he's got good power. That's kind of the way that I, I looked at Jared versus well. in that one game that I saw of him, um, just my immediate was Jermaine Johnson right there, or maybe an elevated version of Jermaine Johnson. Obviously he ended up going in the first round and Verse will probably end up going higher than that. But, uh, it was really nice to see somebody who kind of looked familiar to me on the field, um it's easy to see what he's going to bring at the NFL level I think with a guy like uh Dallas Turner you need to be a little bit more creative um in his usage overall uh, especially early on if he needs to get stronger after this season but uh I think that he has the chance to be you know kind of that you know top 10 range uh going into the next season moving on we are going to talk about the offensive tackles now, but we're just going to talk about one offensive tackle who has separated himself from the rest, and then we're going to talk about two more tackles. Let's talk about Olu Fashanu. Is it Fashanu or Fashano? I I I, I,
1: I, I, I go with Fashanu yeah, just because it rolls off the tongue a little bit better. We could get to the end of the cycle, and we, it turns out it's been Fashanu the whole time, and we'll just have to adapt, right? But uh, that's – that's uh, that's usually how it goes. Sometimes you got to practice with some of these names. But Olu Fashanu from Penn State, definitely OT1 uh, on my board anyway. Now, there is some close competition. I really like JC Latham. Joe Alt is a guy that I'm a fan of as well with the upside. But to me, uh, Fashanu has the most complete profile when you talk about physical and operational traits. And he was one guy. We saw Harrison and Bowers on the Feldman's Freaks list. We also saw Fashanu. He had a 497 40-yard dash this past uh, offseason season six foot six over 320 pounds phenomenal length phenomenal frame he's got that nfl build i've seen some comp him to laramie Tunsil, and i can definitely see that physical comp for him uh explosive athlete Uh, he's got special recovery athleticism and control with that athleticism too but i think the most impressive thing for me you know he's got the physical tools for sure but with his hand usage and his technique and pass protection he's so patient he's disciplined he's got synergy between his lower body and upper body uh, he's very malleable too. You know, he's able to adapt and recover when he needs to against stunts and you know guys who are using inside outside counters. And he's got independent hands too. You know, I think he can still improve a little bit. He's a young tackle, but for his age, incredibly impressive. How he's able to use that strong inside hand to lock guys outside, combat rushing moves, and I think that in in, tan- in tangent with his balance, his his composure, you know, the athletic traits that he has, man, the skill set is so complete. And to me, when you can poke this few holes in a prospect's profile, especially the high value position like offensive tackle, that's a guy where you don't overthink it too much. You're like, this guy's got it. Uh, let's reserve him for that top ten capital and let's move down the board. He is he is that good. Uh, and I I would have had him as OT one if he had declared last year for sure.
0: Yeah. He's got everything. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He is so technically advanced for being a 20 year old. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because as somebody who grew up in Southern Pennsylvania, have Mm -hmm. all of his buddies go to Penn state. I know what has come through that offensive line over the past decade or so. And it has not been pretty. And the coaching uh, of the offensive line has not been fantastic throughout this time. So to have a 20 year old, who is in that same sort of situation at Penn state to be this good already is freaky. And, you know, on the freak list, it said he was 315 pounds last year, but it wasn't a good 315 pounds. He's still improving his body. And that just comes with being a 20 year old. Mm-hmm. You are a little bit lackadaisical in your diet. Most of the time, you're a college kid. You're just kind of eating whatever is around to, to stay 320 pounds. That's a lot of food that you got to eat. Um, and and to do that and to get the diet down, to get the workouts in, to kind of you know reshape the body a little bit going into this next year you're looking at somebody who says that he's going to be bigger stronger and faster with another year of experience Mm -hmm. i think you're looking at a guy who is going to solidify himself as a top five pick this year
1: it's you look at the tape and you're like wait a minute you're saying you're going to be more athletic you're saying you're going to be more complete like wait a minute what are we what are we doing here because do you remember how good you were last year so it's like it's exciting to think that there's still room for him to keep climbing in that area and, you know, it's fun. But physical talent is not something that separates him from the rest of the pack. It's the refinement on top of that. Because you look at these next two guys, J.C. Latham and Joe Alt these guys are just as talented, man. I mean, you want to talk about raw natural talent at the offensive tackle position. That's the first thing you always look for the mobility, the power, the recovery athleticism, Joe Alt and JC Latham, man, to me, they're both extremely talented. Uh, I'll give my spiel on those guys. But I know you scouted the Alabama roster, you've got a close mm-hmm. look at Latham as I have. But what was your take on Latham? Because I know I was extremely impressed with the physical tools that he possesses six foot six 330 looks like a freak athlete. Tell
0: me what you saw. Latham is a monster. And and that's the first thing. The first thing I think of when I watch somebody like him is he, to me, is kind of the modern version of what we have deemed like the quintessential right tackle, like somebody who is just going to absolutely physically dominate you. Uh, the difference between a, a lot of you know traditional right tackles and J.C. Latham is at six foot six, three hundred and thirty pounds. He is also a fantastic mover for the position, and you need to be at right tackle these days because guys aren't coming off of the blind side anymore. Guys are matching up, lining up to try to create mismatches on the defensive line. You have very few teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers are one that that rush guys on one particular side, but most teams are moving guys around some of the best rushers in the NFL are coming off of that right side. And I think JC Latham is a guy who in the run game and as a pass protector is going to be an a one level player. And it all kind of comes down to what do you need? And if he continues to improve his play a little bit, if he gets a little bit more consistent with his strike timing, I think that he could end up pushing Olu a little bit if you need a right tackle. And that's the thing these days you're, you're, You have that type of freedom to go for a guy like J.C. Latham over Olu if you need a right tackle because you don't know what Olu is going to look like at right tackle if that's what you need right away. You think a guy like that that's a freak athlete can do it, but going from left side to right side, right side to left side is incredibly difficult. Everything is completely opposite of one another. So I think when it comes down to it, if one of these teams needs a right tackle, it wouldn't shock me at the end of the day if Latham went before Olu, even though we both believe Olu is the better prospect right now.
1: Yeah, Latham actually graded very high for me. I was really impressed with the in particular the footwork. I think, you know, his ability to tempo as he's matching rushers, he, you know, things that can be really hard for some offensive tackles because six foot six 330 pounds, you're carrying a lot of mass, right? So Mm -hmm. you got to be able to carry that efficiently. And he not only does that, but things like sinking his hips, things like, you know, acquiring proper leverage, you know, carrying that leverage through reps, right? Uh, Those are all things and maintaining balance as he's, you know, adjusting his alignment. If guys are trying to, you know, fake him out a little bit, go outside inside, he's got really good balance and composure there too. Uh, So I think, you know, there are occasionally times where he is baited into opening his torso a little bit, you know, letting power get him losing his balance, Derek Hall got him a couple times in the Auburn game. But you know, by and large, man, for his size being 330 pounds, how nimble he is, how balanced he is on his feet, and how in control he is with that tempo. uh, It's very impressive to me. And then you look at him in the run game, the explosiveness, the power, he's an absolute road grader, a mauler, love that part of his game. So I think, you know, if he does You know kind of continue to refine his hand usage as you said it's not out of the equation for him to potentially challenge Olu for that ot1 spot joe alt is just as talented as well uh six foot eight three fifteen uh former tight end and it shows up with his mobility i mean the athleticism the recovery athleticism i think he's got the best of the bunch and that's a high Mm -hmm. bar to clear because they're all very good but you know the foot speed the malleability the flexibility the ability to realign his base you know in the heat of the moment and recover ground the explosiveness as well uh, it's all there for him. For me, Joe Walk, you know, being six foot eight, another thing, you know, flexibility really helps with leverage acquisition, being able to acquire proper leverage, bend your knees, but also play with that controlled to lean to maximize your blocking range while also maintaining balance around the apex. He's got that for sure. I want to see him keep refining his hand usage. He can be a little over aligned on two hand extensions sometimes, and he does need to get stronger being a former tight end. But again, I mean, the athleticism is something that really distinguishes him as a potential blue chip prospect, too. And that's exciting. You've got three. Really exciting tackle prospects at the top of the board and other guys too, like Kingsley Suwa We won't have time to talk about him, but from BYU, his explosiveness, his power. Yeah. He was on Feldman's Freaks as well. So, you know, a lot of exciting offensive tackle prospects. I think if you need an offensive tackle, this is a great year for you as an NFL team. Uh, there's a lot of talent on tap. So I'm excited to see what happens. But who've we got next? We got corners, right? Cooling we- McKinstreet.
0: Yeah. We are going to talk about the Feldman freak list next week yeah. on the podcast. We're going to go through, so we will get to him. Um, but we are going to talk about cornerbacks right now. We're going to talk about Kool-Aid McKinstry versus Kalen King. This is Alabama versus Penn state again. And uh, where do you kind of land on this one?
1: Yeah, I've got Kool-Aid McKinstry as my CB one. And it's a pretty, it's not a, it's not a huge gap, but he does have some safety with that ranking. I think, uh, you know, to me, there's actually three guys at the top for me Kool Aid McKinstry. I've got Cooper DeJean graded slightly higher than Kalen King from Iowa. Uh, now, physical traits are something that I grade very highly, right? And I'm not saying King doesn't have physical traits, right? I think King is explosive enough. I think he is fast enough. I think he's very agile, very twitchy. He's a spark uh, out, out on the field when he's matching guys, too. And when you see him come downhill in a, as a support player, you know, people will draw comparisons to Devin Witherspoon from last cycle. Me personally, I try to avoid. Uh, successive player comps because they're so fresh in our minds. Sometimes we defer to that, but it does look similar. You're looking at a 5'11", 185, 190-pound corner. Not the biggest guy, but he comes downhill with a ton of heat. and He gives you everything he's got at the contact point. Kaelin King wants all the smoke. I love the physicality. I love the untethered aggression that he plays with. And I think he's very good. Very. He's got great zone awareness, too. He's got great ball skills. I think enough explosiveness to work with. But here's the thing. Being an undersized corner, 5'11", 191 pounds. Cooper DeJean is 6'1", 210, right? Kool-Aid McKinstry is 6'1", a little bit leaner, but still very long. And I don't see a, a major discernible difference with explosiveness and fluidity. I think Kool-Aid has just as much fluidity in his arsenal, and he's very, very technically sound, very surgical, very well-timed with his hands. And again, a guy who just swarms the catch point with his instincts, his spatial awareness, uh, and then Cooper DeJean too. I think he can be a little bit smoother with his technique at times. But he's another guy who's got that route IQ to jump passes. He's very, very good in run support with his size and play strength. And then he's explosive and fluid in space, too. So, you know, for me, it's not about what Killen King, you know, has. I think he has everything you need. But when you're projecting for a higher ceiling, I look at the guys with the superior size. I don't think they're lacking anything, you know, athletically that King has. I think, that, I think it's a very fun group at the top, but that's kind of where it falls for me. I think the higher ceiling comes with guys like McKinstry and uh, Dijon.
0: And Dijon's interesting because he's still relatively new to the position. He yeah. came in as a, as a safety, um, well, that's what he played in high school. He also played quarterback and threw for like 75,000 yards. He also played mm-hmm. receiver as a freshman and as a sophomore, and he caught like 150 passes for like 3000 yards as a wide receiver too. Cooper Dijon is a freak that yeah. we, we, we can, we can all agree on that. and It's going to be incredibly interesting to see, um, how that works out just because of the the history of the white cornerback in the NFL. We haven't really had one since Jason Seahorn. and it'll be interesting to see how his former teammate does in Denver, mm-hmm. but uh it, it's not something that we are used to seeing yet um but 6 210 running the way that Cooper John runs is going to be absolutely incredible to watch, especially when we get to combine time because I think he's going to blow it up. When I look at King versus Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid reminds me a lot of Patrick Sertan. He's not quite as big. He's not quite as thick. He's not quite as athletic. But that same type of ease in everything that he does, the technical soundness, it's all there with Kool-Aid McKintree. And I think the biggest thing that I look for when I watch corners is what happens when you get out of phase. What happens when you get beat? Where is your panic button? And he doesn't have a panic Hmm. button. And these guys that don't panic, these guys that stay within themselves, those are the guys who end up looking like lockdown corners at the NFL level. Um, We've seen it with Patrick Sertan. We've seen it with guys like Sauce, um, who, you know, when you watch Sauce Gardner in Cincinnati, it's like, is he going to be fast enough? Like, I don't see it like I he's just kind of okay. And then you see him at the NFL over, you see him first of all against Alabama in the playoffs and he played out of his mind and it's like, okay, yeah, he can actually run. He just never had to show it because he never freaks out. He's never out of position. So you never have to see that ridiculous uh, athleticism that he has. When you look at a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry, it's just all so smooth. Everything he does is so smooth. Everything he does is so technical. On the other side of that, you have Kalen King. Kalen King might end up being my favorite player in this draft class because he is a little bit like Devin Witherspoon, because he is that 190 pound 5'11 corner. I mean, that's me. 5'11, 190 pounds, running around trying to kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what. I love to see in a corner. I love to see that type of attitude. Um, And then he also has the coverage ability that you like to see. You're right. He's not as long. He's not as tall. He's not as thick and physical um, just from a a natural play strength perspective. But his tape study is outrageous. I mean, you see the minute he sees screen, it's it's an instant trigger downhill. He's able to skirt blocks and he's able to blow up plays at the line of scrimmage. And then like you said, also as well in zone coverage, and I know that Penn State runs quite a bit of man, um, but in zone coverage, he is very intelligent as well. To be able to do that without having to do it very often is very impressive to me as well. Um, So for me, it's Kool-Aid and then it's King, but my heart is with Kalen mm. King over Kool-Aid Yep. Yeah, whenever you
1: see that. a guy close downhill like that with that much speed, you know, it's just as much a byproduct of he has enough explosiveness to work with, but also the tape study, the confidence to play with that with that speed. You know, that's you don't mm-hmm. take that for granted because some guys don't have that, right? The instincts to see that and react to it just as quickly. Kalen King's got that. So again, you know, when you rank one guy over the other, it's tough. It's like picking your favorite child, right? You don't want to do it. But you know, it's not about what King doesn't have because he's very talented and he's got a futures NFL starter. They all do. So it's a fun group. Uh, Really excited for that corner group. And we could go down the list for hours. It's going to be another strong class on tap, but we are over the 30 minute mark. So before we go, Dalton, any other guys in the top 15, top 20 that you want to bring up, that you want to wax lyrical a little bit about? I know you've been a big fan of Ameka Egbuka for a while. I like Malik Neighbors a lot from LSU, but also Egbuka. Barrett Carter from Clemson, very talented linebacker. I'll let you go first real quick. Any other guys in the top 15 that you want to uh, bring up?
0: Yeah, I mean, we still got a lot of time, so we're we're going to get to all of these guys eventually. There's a lot, a ton of time before the NFL draft, and we'll get to all of them in depth. But yeah, Amika Buka is somebody who I've liked ever since I watched Ohio State last year um, when I was watching C.J. Shroud. He kept popping up. Um, I mean, he was flashing even in times where I wasn't seeing Marvin Harrison Jr. flash as much. Um, they're different players, obviously. Uh, but amika is so fluid um, as a route runner he he's everything he does is just kind of gliding and it's really fun to see because he's also somebody who is in that 511 six foot maybe six foot one on a good day um, but he's over 200 pounds and he is very physical as well um, i don't think that he plays as physically as Malik neighbors does um, but there aren't many guys in college yeah. football at the wide receiver position that do he is going to to try to beat you up on the outside and i like that a lot with neighbors as well i just kind of prefer the uh natural separator that amika is a little bit over malik neighbors right now
1: yeah for sure and i i agree i think neighbors has a little bit of room to keep refining his route running the plant and drive footwork can be a little more efficient the route tree is a little more vast with Ameka buka i mean he is mm-hmm. surgical against his coverage i love his spatial awareness the efficiency with his spatial manipulation too very fun but i mean malik neighbors man i mean against press coverage he is going to fight you and then after the catch too i mean this guy's like 6'1 he's under 200 pounds and yet he's bouncing off of contact the contact balance is absurd with him for a player of his size and then at the catch point too, the contortions that he can make you know the high difficulty adjustments that he makes without much strain at all i mean he's got that explosiveness speed he was another one on feldman's freaks list so Uh, a ton of talent. And then, you know, across the board, man, every position you go to linebacker, that Clemson defense in particular, Barrett Carter, Andrew McCuba, very talented players, very fun players. Uh, The list goes on and on. So I wish we had more time to cover this entire top 20, top 25 range, because there is so much to unpack, but we're going to leave that for next time. Dalton, send us off and let the listeners know what they've got on tap for next week.
0: Yeah. So make sure you guys are sticking around because we are going to circle back around to the quarterbacks next week. And I think our tuesday episode is going to be feldman's freak list i I think we should get to the freak list first we can get to the quarterbacks in the the episode after that um so that's what you guys have to look forward to make sure you guys are also checking out our first episode where we talked about the top quarterbacks in the 2024 nfl draft class make sure that you guys are following us wherever you guys listen to your podcast make sure you guys are following on youtube leave us a comment on youtube make sure you guys are giving us five stars on the podcast platforms i love you guys until next time